Welcome to Lived In, a podcast series by Hemby Home Company. Lived In is all about interior styling for the ordinary home. If you live in an ordinary house on an average street and you love design, this podcast is for you. Many of us long to infuse the places in which we dwell with both style and livability, but we also have to stick to realistic budgets. What does it look like to live in a space that transitions with you as life does? How do you build equity while creating a space that truly feels like home? And what can you do to make a space yours when it doesn't belong to you? Join me, Femi Koz, a realtor, content manager and interior advisor, and let's find out. Hello, ladies and gents. How are you all doing? Have any of you watched the Architectural Digest series on Tan Francis' new home in Utah? If you did, I would like to know what you think. Um, I I enjoyed watching some of the process and looking at where he got the inspiration and how the Fox Group worked on details like the brick and the landscaping. (laughs) You know what I'm about to say, don't you? But... The but is this, I just felt like at the end, it still felt too clean, in my opinion, and I hesitate to say that, <laughs> it it still felt too much like a new house trying to look like an old house. It was too perfect. I have massive, when I say massive, I mean huge respect for any builder architect or individual who is willing to embark on the incredibly arduous task of trying to design and build a home that is modeled after a historical house style, like a Georgian style home or a Tudor style home or a colonial style home. It's actually why I am so in awe of Gil Schaefer. Um, of Schaefer Bucatello Architects, and I'll link them in the show notes. Gil is my favorite architect, and one of my personal dreams is to one day interview him on the podcast. So let's let's all be praying for that. But the reason that I like him is because he has respect for some of the finer details of old homes. He built his own home back in. 1999, I think, in Dutchess County, which is, I believe, upstate New York. And it's in the style of a Greek revival home. And the Greek revival homes were built in the mid-1800s. And even for, you know, if you're looking at the house, even as a discerning architectural historian, it's going to be almost impossible for you to tell that it's not an old house. And the reason that he has pulled it off, the reason that it is so successful is because he has paid incredible attention to the feel of the older house, not just the look. So in addition to using historically appropriate period details like pocket doors and moldings um, and that kind of thing in the design and construction of his home, he has he's also included details like lower ceilings and steps down into different rooms so that there are these awkward nooks and crannies. He wanted to capture the old house feel where it feels like a room was added on or updated. 
and he was fully committed to what it took to make a new house as authentic in look and feel as an old house. So I will include links if you're interested in seeing more new houses that look and feel like truly old houses. Um, Actually, you should take a look, and I'll include this link too, at the house that was designed by the architect um, Quinlan Terry and his son, uh, I believe his name is also Francis, what are the odds, Francis Terry. The interiors for that house were designed with interior decorator Henriette von Stockhausen. That's how you say her last name. And I'll link to it in the show notes, but it is another incredible example of great architecture and attention to detail in historical replication. So make sure you look in the show notes for that. All right, let's get into today's episode, which I think will be a little spicy. But truthfully, my my hope, my goal is not to offend anyone, but just to share some opinions and my reasoning behind them. I have a lot of opinions, by the way, so they're not all going to fit in this episode. <laughs> if you ever meet with me in person or schedule a call, you want to know my opinions, I will gladly share them with you. Let's dive in. So if we're going to dive in, we might as well start with the one that's probably going to be the most polarizing of my opinions. And that is the modern farmhouse aesthetic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, so I am, I am, I'm coming for the modern farmhouse. Well, I'm not really. I'm not hating on the modern farmhouse, I think. I think I'm just tired of it. What I think is that it has begun to overstep its bounds. I saw a listing for sale the other day. It was a Dutch colonial style house. Uh, Was it Dutch colonial? I want to say Dutch colonial or could have just been colonial. But I saw this house the other day that had been redone so that the facade looked like a modern farmhouse. The level of craftsmanship was incredible. But why would you take something that is modelled after a historical style, a specific historical style that is in the middle of suburbia, by the way, and make it a modern farmhouse? There are no chickens in sight. Why are we doing this? To me, the best place, maybe even the only place for a modern farmhouse is on a farm. I also think that it's the style of modern farmhouse that was everywhere. It has just become so expected now in a way that it's just not new anymore. You know you're going to get white walls. You know you're going to get black hardware. You're going to get black chandeliers and you're going to get light, wide, wooden plank flooring. Like it's just so expected. I think what I'd really like to see would be a new concept or a new design concept that feels universally accessible, like the modern farmhouse aesthetic. Previously, we had boho and that was everywhere. And then I think the modern farmhouse kind of overtook it. But actually, what I think would be really cool would be a modern farmhouse, but in the style of Athena Calderon. Um, I think that's how you say her last name. I could be getting that wrong. She is Icewoon on Instagram. And she has a whole blog, a website where she shares her design thoughts. And she's not just an interior design focused person. It's kind of like lifestyle design. She has a beach house. It's in Amagansett. I have no idea how you say that. Um, I think that's Amagansett. 
a mag a magan set who knows upstate new york <laughs> anyway she has a beach house up there and that style is very different to her brooklyn townhouse that she kind of became known for and so i would love to see her do a farmhouse because it would just be it would just be epic something i like about her style and I'll link some things in the show notes, but if you look at pictures of her Brooklyn townhome, there are these huge, really long slabs of marble and she mixes dark and light so well. And so to see her do a modern farmhouse would be so beautiful. It would be deeply earthy. There would be giant slabs of marble and mixed metals and just a ruggedness that is somehow really well juxtaposed with the clean look of plaster walls and cream on cream. She has a lot of cream on cream. Um, I think why I'm not a huge fan of the modern farmhouse aesthetic is because to me, it lacks contrast. There's very little or no color and it's just black and white. There's no depth. There's no, there's no excitement in the design. It's very, pared back and simple I think it it presents this very polished version of life on a farm which doesn't exist and I think I want some grittiness and some depth and some texture to be added in moving on from the modern farmhouse in general I feel I think that I'm just tired of palatable design and I'm not 100% on that wording but I was trying to explain this to my husband the other day. We were watching something and I saw something about this hotel that is very well known. And I'm not going to say who designed it because that doesn't matter in this context. And I thought the design of this hotel was beautiful, but I was left feeling very, I was left feeling very underwhelmed and very flat by the design. Now in the context of home, I think it's a bit different. I'm not saying that you need to design your house around wowing people or blowing them away because it's a private space. That's a little bit different. But in the context of a commercial space, this is where there might be a need to revisit what design is and what it's for. Design should evoke something in us. And I think something like a hotel or a boutique, those places are the right platform for, for design that makes you feel something. The challenge is that with this whole palatable design thing, the challenge is that the design trends on the larger scale, the ones in the hotels and in the commercial spaces, those kind of bleed into home design trends. And in terms of what you can easily buy for your home and furnish your home with, there is a trend towards really palatable and unoffensive design. And I think it's just making all of us really boring. I think it was the last episode, pretty sure it was the last episode where I mentioned that, you know, so many articles have come out of late with designers saying that they have opinions on the fact that we all live in boring gray boxes and we live in all these really soulless homes. But you have to think what's readily available to us. If we are the average consumer, what is marketed to us? What is being pushed to us? And if you sit down and think about it, it is all very palatable. It's all very unoffensive design that is being marketed to us. 
And so it's not out of the box. It's a lot harder nowadays to design a space that is intriguing and character filled if you just shop at the big box stores. You know, there are no wacky colors. Uh, I mean, there's always Urban Outfitters, um, Urban Outfitters Home, where you can get some things that are slightly quirky. But even that is just limited. I believe that if we can move towards design that is less less easily replicable, then we're doing something right. Let's live in unique spaces, not for the sake of being unique, but just so we can live in spaces that actually represent us. And maybe this is really just about where you live too. Maybe it's less far and wide and more to do with just where you live. So so in Greenville, in eastern North Carolina, in Pitt County, a lot of people will think, I need a couch or I need a sofa. Where am I going to go? I'm going to go and buy a couch or a sofa from Ashley um, or from Target or from Walmart, wherever it is. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I don't think that's a bad thing at all if you need a couch or a sofa. But I do think that we need to move beyond what is presented to us and look for what genuinely excites us. Does that make sense? The internet has made us all kinds of design sheep. We are victims of algorithms and advertising unless we consciously choose not to be. I love Google. And when it comes to design, that can very often be a great resource for me. However, even if you type into Google sofa, it's going to feed you most likely a linen or a boucle sofa in an off-white or a cream or a moody muted color. And to find or create something more unique requires going on a search. And, you know, everything doesn't need to be unique. But I think if we can have more personality in spaces, I would really support that. I actually have a, I have real estate clients, a couple who I helped to buy a condo. And when they bought it, it was a, it was a gray box. (laughs) Um, But what they've done with it is just infuse it with color and personality. And it wasn't try hard. It wasn't that they set out to say, how can we make this not look like a gray box? Or how can we make sure that there are no boring colors in here? What they've done is just infuse it with color and personality and take things that aren't necessarily just immediately presented to them, but look outside of the box, look at what moves them. And so the result is a very layered and very personality-driven space. And that is a very, I think I could say, very unusual thing around here. Again, Greenville, North Carolina, Pitt County. How do you find items that excite you versus things that are just presented to you that you think are cute? Because I see a lot of really cute things every day. I don't see that much every day that genuinely excites me and wows me. I'm actually going to bring up Gil again, Gil Schaefer. Something that he has said in a number of interviews is that the internet has kind of ruined things for us. And I don't think he said it that dramatically or that bluntly, but he said that we're so used to things being fast and in his architecture firm, and I'm not sure if they're in the same building now, they had this spine that ran down the middle of the building 
that was filled with books. And that's where they would resource themselves and equip themselves with the knowledge to create the buildings and the designs that they were doing. And so I have, I have a love hate relationship with social media for a lot of reasons. And while I think it's a great tool, it, it also is kind of trained by us. And so going to what Gil said, I think just go back to books, buy design books, buy magazines, go to art museums and exhibitions, dig deep into archives, literally just get out more. Something I say to my kids a lot is that you only know what you know. And, and I say it sometimes to my husband when my kids say things, I'm like, what, how did you think that? But you only know what you know. And so to expand that knowledge requires going into different places and experiencing different things. You can't have a varied design style if all you do is look at what Pinterest and Instagram and Facebook are continuously showing you because they're showing you what you have indicated you like already. They're not showing you anything new. So if you want unique and diverse design style, go out and look outside of what you are most familiar with and see what moves you and captivates you. All right, let's check out my thing of the week. Welcome to my thing of the week. I recently discovered two YouTube channels whose videos I really like. And in a way, I'm kind of embarrassed that it has taken me this long to discover them. But they are Quintessence, and check the show notes for the link as that one is tricky to spell. And then Homeworthy, which is the word home and the word worthy pushed together. They do home and apartment tours and interviews for different styles of homes and with designers and architects and stylists and so on. And I really enjoy getting to hear how people create their homes and decorate their homes. And I think Quintessence, more than Homeworthy, or more so than Homeworthy, gives you more of that insight. But they both provide that kind of knowledge, which I think is so helpful and eye-opening and inspiring. So those two YouTube channels are my thing, or I guess my things, of the week for this week. Check them out in the show notes. All right, let's get back to the episode. I do feel like I have to provide some caution or some explanation or addition, addendum, that's the word I'm looking for, to this episode because I'm sharing all of these opinions and I think I hesitate to share these opinions because I don't want to offend anybody. At the end of the day, what you live in is about you. And so you should be able to just live in what you live in and not worry about what some Joe Blow on the internet. Um, I don't know what the female equivalent of Joe Blow is or would be. But anyway, you shouldn't have to worry about what some Joe Blow on the internet or on a podcast thinks that you should like. Really, that's up to you at the end of the day. And I really think actually that's something I long for more is for people to be really represented in their spaces. So don't listen to me and think I'm saying you're wrong if you have any of these things. I'm just sharing my opinions. So 
oh my gosh, I have to put this on the list. Uh, I have to put this on the list. I don't like microwaves above stoves. I have strong opinions about that. I'm exhaling because I got that out. <laughs> um, it is very standard, unfortunately standard, in new build homes. And, you know, I understand the convenience of a microwave above the stove. But I really don't like it. I think if you if you need to have a microwave or if I was building a house and I needed a microwave and I would need a microwave because I have multiple children and it's just convenient in many ways for a lot of different things, including coffee that never gets finished. <laughs> but if I was building a house and I needed to have a microwave, I'm going to put it somewhere other than above the stove. I'm probably going to put it in a cabinet or above an oven if it's a wall stacked situation. Another alternative would be to put it in an island or in a cabinet. I've seen a lot of people do that, but I those would be the two options. I'm not going to put it above a stove. And partially this is because I really think a nice range hood or a nice, a pretty extractive fan cover is a great design opportunity, a great opportunity for a design moment. And I love that. I will say it also depends. I could maybe give some more lenience to it, depending on the type of microwave that is used. I think that the ones that builders typically use, the standard option they use is fairly bulky but there are sleeker microwaves that you can choose that will look much better in a space and won't be as design intrusive as some of the just cheap straight up microwaves are. While we are on the subject of appliances, I don't like black appliances, generally speaking. And that's funny because I have three in my house. <laughs> I don't like black appliances. When we bought our house, it came with all black appliances in the kitchen um, black fridge, black dishwasher, black stove. And I will say the microwave is, is stainless steel, but guess where it is? It's above the stove. But the black stove is not too bad because it also has stainless. So it's black and stainless. So there's a good mixture there. The black doesn't dominate. But the black fridge to me is ugly, extremely. And I would love to change that out. However, the interior of that fridge is gorgeous. The functionality is great. The storage it has is great and it works excellently. So I'm not going to swap it out. We're not going to swap it out because one, this is an offer of home, which by the way, unpopular opinion, I don't think exists. Don't kill me, but it's just true. Yes, I'm not swapping it out because this isn't my forever home and it works fantastically. Functional, functionality-wise, it's great. So it would be a silly thing to swap out unless I could sell it and replace it with something for the same price, in which case, or close to the same price, persuading myself to buy a new fridge. There's no way my husband's having that. Anyway, I'm hoping and praying that it won't crap out on us. And as long as it doesn't, it's staying. Now, there are solutions for things like an ugly fridge. You know, we could wrap the fridge or we could paint the fridge, but ultimately I just don't think it's worth the trouble. And so I would rather just replace it at that point. 
it's also not a counter depth fridge so it protrudes just a little bit it's not as bad as others i've seen but it does protrude a little bit so you can see it thankfully the way that they built our kitchen you only see one side because the other side is in a wall so that's nice it's not two sides of an ugly black fridge i did actually see um speaking of non counter depth fridges i did actually see somebody decorate the side of their fridge as if it was a wall because it stuck out so much so they they put art on it so not not like um not fridge magnets and things like that but they put beautiful framed art on the side of it that was creative um do I know that I would do that no but it is kind of a dead space and so why not pretty up with some art if you can I just don't think it works on a black fridge guys anyway then there's our dishwasher and that's also black like I said and you know I don't like that it's black but again in terms of functionality it works so well so it's just not worth changing it I would put if it was a panel ready dishwasher and if you don't know what those are those are dishwashers that essentially don't have a front so that you can match you can get a cabinet and put it on the front so it blends in with the rest of your cabinetry if it was a panel ready dishwasher I would put a panel on it, but unfortunately it's not. So, and there may be a way that I just don't know to make it panel ready, but I also don't think we could source our cabinet fronts anywhere. So they're staying. Enough about appliances. Let's see if we can squeeze one more unpopular opinion in before we end the episode. So this one is also potentially offensive. I'm not sure which one's more offensive. You guys will have to tell me if it's more offensive, the modern farmhouse, the forever home, or this one. But this is, I do not like season, on the nose, season-led design. Now, again, I'm sharing an opinion. I'm not sharing a rule. But if I am looking at something, if I'm in a shop, any shop, and it's for the it's decoration for the autumn or fall season. So think a curtain or a tablecloth or a tea towel or a pillow. If it's any one of those types of things and it's for the autumn or fall season and it says pumpkin or give thanks on it, I'm I don't like it. I'm out. I'm a hundred percent out. Actually, maybe now that I think about it, it's just that I don't like words on things. Um Ah, kind of but also it's if it's for Christmas and it's a tablecloth with little Christmas trees all over I'm probably not going to buy it what I would buy instead would be a tablecloth that has some red and green in it but it doesn't scream Christmas it's just very subtly Christmas now I will say all of this depends not the word thing the word thing I 100% thousand percent a million percent standby if it has words on it I do not want it period but if the tiny Christmas trees on the tablecloth if that's a kitschy style if it's done to be kitschy I'm I'm on board I can be on board I can get behind it but if it is in a very serious way if this is a tablecloth that is not designed to be kitschy then I don't want it (laughs) kitschy or vintage maybe I should throw that caveat in there too no shade or shame to anyone who is doing that it's just not my thing 
right, guys, that is it for this week's episode. I hope that we can all still be friends, even though I said some things that potentially were offensive, but hopefully weren't too offensive. There was a lot I didn't get to. Um, Some of them because they're less of a discussion point and more of a comment. Like there's a certain type of draw pull that I cannot stand. And it's everywhere. If you go in a new build house, it's the standard pull. Um, So there's things like that, but it's less of a discussion point and more of a comment. I don't like that. We move on. Anyway, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Let me know which of my unpopular opinions you agreed with and you disagreed with. I would love to know. Well, that's it for today's episode. I will see you in two weeks time. Bye.